Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for January 8th, 2008. From Orlando, Florida, I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined each week by our team of Orlando experts, Bob Varley, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. In this week's show, we'll talk about what's in the news, including the story about Victoria and Albert's not allowing children at the restaurant anymore. In a new segment entitled Trip Planning 101, we'll discuss some of the basics for planning a great Disney vacation. Also, Kevin Close has his first dining review of 2008. He'll tell us about his recent experience at Le Cellier in Epcot. And since Bob is being drafted by some of our listeners to run for president, I think it's president of the Fredo Fan Club, but uh, we're going to give him two minutes each week to outline his positions on issues. All that plus roundtable rapid fire on this week's edition of the Diz Unplugged. They are all looking at Yeah, me. I was like, really? Do we have to stay here for that? <laughs> give him two minutes for our break time, This please. was a suggestion. This was a suggestion on that. Uh, on I that. think we should send him to New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised he didn't make a showing in the Iowa caucuses. Well, I did. I really was. I have four people that voted for me in the Iowa caucuses. I think it's proven fact that anyone can win Iowa now. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Uh, oh my! Yeah, we'll 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 stay away from that discussion. But um, all right, we have to get some housekeeping out of the way. We've got a lot to talk about today. We've got a lot to cover, and um, I left you guys with some tantalizing things last week about what some of our plans were. And I promised we'd have some more details for you today, and we do. First, I do want to apologize to everyone for some of the technical issues we've had over the last couple of weeks. As I'd mentioned, uh, before Christmas, I think, we were going through a server migration, moving a lot of our stuff over to much better equipment, and there's always going to be some some little glitches here and there. It's unavoidable, but uh, I have to say that the team, especially Alex, did a tremendous job in, uh, in, moving, in moving everything over and getting everything set up. They did a, a great deal of work, and it really paid off, so... I do apologize, though, that we've had some had some issues. So I want to talk now about the photo contest that I mentioned uh, last week. And for those of you who had not listened, what we're going to do is ask you guys to upload your photos. They have to be Disney-related photos to a special area of our photo post section on the Diz. And there'll be certain categories that we're looking for. We're going to be looking for things like uh, best hotel photo, best theme park photo, best romantic photo, best family photo, and funniest photo. And in each one of those categories, you'll be able to upload your photos. Uh, visitors will be able to vote on which ones they like. And then we'll take the top five vote-getters in each category, and the team here will decide who the winner in each category is, and will also award one overall prize for best photo. So get your photos ready, and we're going to have links on the uh, podcast main page, podcast.wdwinfo.com with these specifics and a link of where to go and instructions of what to do and what some of the terms and conditions of the, uh, of the contest are going to be. So be sure to check that out and start uploading your photos. I'm going to run this contest at least through the middle of February. I just want to see how many photos we're getting and how much interest there is in it, and then I'll decide you know how long we run it for. But it's going to run at least until the middle of February. So... Start getting your pictures up there. The more, the sooner you get them up there, the more votes you're going to be able to get. And let the campaigning begin. And let the campaigning begin, indeed. So there's that. And the other item I mentioned last week, which had some of you very, very uh, interested, was um, doing a podcast cruise. Uh, 
And uh, we have decided that we are going to do a four-night cruise on May 10th of 2009. And we're planning, I think, some pretty cool things uh, to do during the cruise. And we're going to make it the best deal you could get anywhere on a cruise. If you go through Dreams Unlimited Travel, we're going to... Uh, well, John, explain how we're going to do that for them so I don't mess it up. What we're going to do is we're going to hold some group space on that sale date so that there'll be some reduced space... state. Uh, <laughs> Will there? That was awesome. Isn't that great? Well, he doesn't do that too often. I know. There'll be some reduced priced staterooms on that sailing. And what we're going to do is we're going to combine our current shipboard credit promotion with the group space pricing. That's something we don't typically do. When a a client comes to us and puts in a a coat. This is a bad day. Give us your coat. (laughs) Put in a quote request. We look for the best price. It's either going to be our group space pricing or it's going to be the the current tier pricing with our shipboard credit. As people may or may not know, Dreams Unlimited Travel is currently running a double shipboard credit promotion for 2009 sailings. So you will get that double shipboard credit. You'll get the best price with the uh, group space pricing. And plus, we are going to have parties and we're going to have giveaways. And and all that's included. There's no extra charge for any of that stuff. Right. The but only, to be eligible for that, they have to book through Dreams Unlimited. You have Unlimited, to come through correct? Dreams Unlimited, right? That is true, because we're going to be keeping lists of who is who is uh, booked through us, and uh, we'll have all that prepared for when you show up, and we're going to have a great time, I think. Oh, I think we're going to have an awesome time, and uh, we're going to be promoting it throughout the year. We're going to be doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, we'll be giving away staterooms throughout the year to join us on that sailing. Uh, do not let that keep you from going ahead and putting a deposit on, if you happen to have a deposit on the sailing and you win a cruise it can just be done there so if you if you're going to attend you absolutely want to go book we're going to have a link uh again on the show notes page of where you can sign up for that so yeah we're going to have a great time we got a lot of parties and special events planned and uh well like i said we'll have links on the show notes page for you so please go ahead and sign up come join us we'll have a great time and Julie, I believe you have something you want to add to housekeeping. I'm Jessica Rudolph. She chose, well, she mentioned a segment that she would like to, for Corey to do, the college program. And she chose a number. She chose number six. She chose number six. Ooh, and six. she wins a $25 gift certificate. Oh, cool. Very nice. Alrighty. Congratulations. I also want to let people know that uh, if you haven't received your T-shirt, if maybe you sent an email before Christmas time, Cafe Press let me know that they are a little backed up because of Christmas and everything. So some of you may not receive your T-shirts till like the mi- the middle of January. So don't worry, you will get your yeah, T-shirt. We promise. <laughs> we promise they're on the way. So all right, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and get started with the news. Um, our number three story this week: uh, Orlando had a very good holiday season this past year. Feedback from area hoteliers indicate that the high-end hotels had a very strong end of year. This is in contrast to the hotels that were catering to the more budget-minded traveler who had to actually cut their rates to try and attract people in, which I think is an interesting interesting situation. Usually it doesn't work like that. It's usually the other way around. Uh, SeaWorld and Disney had to end up opening auxiliary parking lots in response to the crowds. And uh, the Magic Kingdom was closed to day guests at various times throughout the season. Universal has said that they were pleased with uh, their year-end showing, which finally they had a good quarter. They had mm-hmm. a, they, their, their 
final quarter of the year showed an uptick in their in their attendance. And uh, they're crediting a, a, a lot of the strong holiday showing to uh, the Convention and Visitors Bureau's TV ads that they've been running, especially overseas. And uh, with the weekend dollar, right now it's attracting a lot of European visitors, a lot of overseas visitors to come. So Orlando had a good year. Orlando had a good year. Just to tie in with that, we were in downtown Disney last night. And I was amazed as we were walking through the number of people not speaking English. Yeah. So you were just talking about the foreign visitors. Right. It was evident last night as you walked through how many groups of people were from out of the country. It was interesting to see. Well, you know what? I think, I, I, I think about our friends in Canada, what they've had to put up with for years and years and years with the big disparity between their dollar and ours. And I think a lot of people now that in, in other countries that may not have been able to afford to come to Orlando for two weeks can do it now. I didn't now. hear anybody speaking Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised at the sheer volume of people last night. Yeah, I thought it was supposed to be slow. You think this is the weekend that maybe people were going home? It was packed. Yeah, I was in Epcot this morning, and it was like packed there. And even Christmas Eve, when we were walking around, there were a lot more people than in other years that night. So the parks were really... They were. I, have a funny, I have a funny Epcot story. We were driving on property, I think it was like the week before Christmas, and we saw the fireworks go up. And you know how when you're driving on property, you see the fireworks and you try to guess based on the time of, of night it is and what they look like, oh, that's going to be Magic Kingdom or that's going to be Epcot. We're driving all around and I said, well, that I think that's Magic Kingdom special fireworks tonight. And Kevin says, no, that's Epcot. That's Eliminations. <laughs> <laughs> Eliminations. You had your Bob moment. He that's, did where you, his, that's where you get voted out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> he had a Bob moment. Eliminations. <laughs> uh, all right, our number two story this week. Disneyland is attracting new hotels. In the aftermath of the political turmoil over low-income housing, it appears that more hotels are on the horizon for Anaheim. Contrary to 2005 City Commission report that more hotel rooms would be needed within the next 24 to 55 years, Several hotel proposals have been submitted. Among them are two Starwood brand hotels where the Jolly Roger Inn is currently located. Hmm. Two Weston brand uh, boutique hotels are also being considered. And this is part of the surge. This this surge is uh, credited to Disneyland's recent announcement that they would be spending $1.1 billion overhauling its disappointing California Adventure theme park. Uh, Developers are being sought in the vicinity of Garden Grove where initially successful while initially successful, there have been difficulty in attracting more hotel investors near the Harbor Boulevard sector. It's hoped that Sheridan will build a second hotel next to the one being built there right now. So I think that uh, adding new hotel rooms in Anaheim is a great idea, hmm. but they should be Disney hotels. We really don't need any more. Yeah, but they don't have the property. Well... What's all? What was all the fighting for the uh, low-income housing about? Why not? You know, you want that land so bad. Yeah, well, buy it and put a hotel there. No, Somebody else was gonna. They don't want to. They don't want to buy the property and and run the hotels. They want to have those guests still come in and generate income, but let someone else run them. I think with Disney going into the timeshare business in Disneyland, I think you'll see more timeshares popping up around. Yeah. Disneyland as well. So well, like I said, I mean, Anaheim definitely needs more hotel rooms. It is, yeah. it is, it can be really difficult. Now, last year wasn't so bad, but during the during the heyday of the fiftieth anniversary, it was darn near impossible to get a hotel room anywhere in Anaheim. And, but it's the Disney hotels that are always packed. 
the reason that a lot of these off-property hotels get any business is because people just simply can't get in. Yeah, That happened to us last November when we went, in, not this past November, the one before, 2006. We went out to do the video trivia challenge. November is not exactly prime time uh, in, in in Disneyland, yet we the only reason we stayed at the uh, the the, Sher- or the uh, Sheridan, Sheridan yeah. was because we couldn't get anything yeah. on Disney property, not even a Paradise Pier. That was the end of the anniversary year, right when we were there. So there was a lot of stuff that was going on. I'd like to see them open a fourth a fourth Disney hotel. Mm-hmm. I'm sick and tired of seeing everybody else's hotels around Disney. We're gonna have plenty of that here. Thanks to this this ridiculous flamingo crossing project they're doing, um, really, you know, when is Disney is Disney ever going to build another hotel, or is this now the wave of the future mm. that it's everybody else's brand, not theirs? You know, that kind of takes the luster off it for me a little bit. But at least there'll be, there'll be some. Well, you know, if Weston does a couple of boutique hotels, that's at least a step in the right direction. Saying, you got Sheridan and you've got Weston. Both can make a nice property. And they're good. Yeah, they're very good brands. Right. They're very good brands. I'm not taking anything away from Sheridan or Weston, but let's be honest. You know, when Disney does a hotel, they do something other people don't do. We're getting a yeah. Waldorf Astoria here. Yeah. I mean, Why? I mean, we have half of half of Pop Century sitting there not complete. So until they do that, I don't see yeah. anything else Although going we have on. we have seen some movement over there. We're wondering if yeah. something's going on. I don't think so. I think that was just extra. Well, there was always stuff. there was always rumors that uh, those that unused space at Pop Century was going to be turned into some kind of like budget DVC resort. Mm. Um, it w- looks like the setting for a really good horror movie. <laughs> yes, it does. Very, it's very spooky. It is very spooky. Murder at the Brown Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Murder at the Brown Hotel. <laughs> Oh, Lord. All right. And our final story this week, Victoria and Alberts hates children. (laughs) (laughs) This one's got me fired up. When in reality, the real Victoria and Albert, they had many children. (laughs) Beginning this week, children under 10 are no longer welcome at Victoria and Alberts at the Grand Floridian. Uh, This is the only restaurant with a a AAA five-diamond rating on Disney property. And according to the general manager, they want the restaurant to... They want to be the restaurant that's available for the adult experience. Only about three families a month are, have ever brought, or they say that only th- about three families a month bring young children to the restaurant right now. So they don't really think that they're inconveniencing any any guests. I really want to know who the three families a month are that are bringing their kids to Victoria and Albert. Because I'm telling you what, if I walk in there and you've got your two-year-old screaming while I'm paying that much for a dinner, I'm going to be upset. Brangelina. Brangelina. Um. Well, I think it's hysterical. On the boards, people are uh, in, uh, they're just in an uproar. They're apoplectic. That, that Disney now hates children. That if you don't, if you think Victoria <laughs> Alberts has made the right decision, you should probably go someplace else because obviously you hate children. There are lots of places on Disney property where children are not uh, uh, welcome. Well, well then. They can't go in mannequins. They can't go to the Richard Petty driving experience. They can't parasail. I mean, there are certain things that are just adult experiences, and I think one restaurant out of 98... I agree with you 100%. Now, I I don't think this should ever... I don't think that... I want to be clear. I don't want to say this should be a policy across property at upscale restaurants. Victoria and Albert's is unique. It is a very unique dining experience. It's not like going to Citrico's. It's not like going to the California Grill. It's not like going to the Flying Fish. This is a very unique dining experience. 
It is an adult dining experience. Yes, your children are lovely. And I'm sure they're very well behaved. But we don't want them in Victoria and Albert's <laughs> while we're eating. I'm sorry. This is too expensive a meal. This is not a place for kids. Look at the menu at Victoria and Albert's. You show me any dish on that yeah. menu that a six-year-old is going to eat. Not only that, but now they've said it's 10 and under who can't go. So, so think of the kids you know who are 10 to 16. You know, who probably won't eat anything anyway, right. except for... But at least 10 to 16 chances are real strong. They're not going to be running around the dining right. room. Right. Yeah. They won't be ten, disrupting throwing food. But, but they still won't have a, a, an enjoyable ten, experience. 10 to 16, they'll have to order a meal, though. Right. And it's whereas, right. whereas under 10, it's probably the, those kids aren't even ordering dinner and they're eating off their no, parents' they, plate. No, they still have to pay the $150 per person charge. From 10 over, yes. No. Even the children that have eaten there now. Oh, okay. Have had to pay for a full meal. It's under okay. it's under three on Disney property that you you would Not be able to share with right. no cost. Okay. Well, I think there's right? sentinel. Do you want some foie gras with your buttered noodles, baby? Exactly. <laughs> I don't think it, this deserved a front page Orlando Sentinel. Uh, full. The local media loves to take any small thing about yeah. Disney and go nuts with Disney's it. Disney's the four hundred pound gorilla. This is a perfectly acceptable policy. For this restaurant now, if they try to institute this, as I said, at Citrico's or, or, or another upscale restaurant, I would have a much different reaction to that. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to do it at Ohana next. <laughs> <laughs> You're wishing. I'd like to see the Magic Kingdom be ten and over. But in the case, <laughs> in the in the case of Victoria and Alberts, this is a per, I th- in my opinion, it's a perfectly appropriate uh, policy for them to put in place. So, I'm sure there are people who disagree. Thank God it's over. <laughs> I agree with him. It's uh, stupid. It's stupid. Well, you, you, it, no, I, no, I'm just glad. I'm hoping that story goes away. I, you know, you you come here in so the car. So, Bob, would you bring your two young grandchildren to eat there? Of course not. See? Can I have my wine pairing in a sippy cup? We should put a link to the child care sections of where Disney takes care of children. Well, what, Victor- what I do hear Victoria now, what we'll be doing is they'll be having a, a cages outside the restaurant <laughs> where parents can lock their children up. The well, baby kennel. <laughs> what a great <laughs> idea. I told you they have lockers in these theme parks for a reason. There are air holes in the lockers. Send your cards and letters to John and Kevin. I don't see anything wrong with that. So, All right. That is going to do it for uh, for our first news report this week. And we're going to move on to our rapid-fire segment. And I'm going to start. Ha-ha. Boy, he jumped all over that, That's the Julie. Did I, even, did I even look like I was going to make a move? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you never do. You never do. You're, like, yeah. you're very stealthy about it. You'll just sit there looking like you're distracted. And jump in front of me. I'm ready. She's like the podcast it. ninja. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get an outfit and everything? Sure. I think it Go back Japan. to Japan and, and pick one up. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about the uh, new lounge that opened up over at uh, Coronado Springs, the Rick's Lounge, um, offering specialty drinks, appetizers, and entertainment in an upscale Mediterranean setting, or so they say. Um, honestly, I'll, be, I'll just be really honest with you. I'm glad that they did this for one reason. Now these drunken convention idiots can stay at Coronado. <laughs> instead of being all over property. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I th- but that's what this is. This is It is. There's something you should know, you should notice when you're in certain places. Certain hotels have certain restaurants that are geared almost ex- exclusively for the convention crowd. Um, Swan and Dolphin does a lot of convention business. Blue Zoo and Il Molino are absolutely 
not theme park restaurants. These are convention restaurants. These are for people who have expense accounts because that's about the only way it would be worth it. And now the Rick's Lounge is just the same sort of thing. This is a place geared towards conventioners. And I don't know. I don't – these places to me anyway stick out like a sore thumb. They just – I don't think they're – they just don't fit the motif of Disney. I know Disney makes a lot of money off conventions. It's a big business in this town. But I don't know. I'm just – as far as I'm concerned, anything they can do to keep the drunken conventioners at Coronado and off the rest of property is good for me. So, Peter, I actually went there last night. Did you get drunk? No. But Did you wear a name tag? <laughs> no. Did you have a badge? I had no badge. Are you campaigning? Wait, let's start again. I went there last night. To, to be drunk? Send Bob to the park type thing. Oh, I thought we were starting all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody snorted. Our first snort of the year. But I did go and... I was thinking it's our first hijack of the year. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, the D- it is similar the D. to... The D.B. Cooper of segments. The, the D.B. <laughs> <The D>. Cooper. <laughs> oh, God. Go ahead. Uh, Let's see if we can get letting a sentence out. It, it does I can't re- wait for his two minutes. <laughs> I'm already ready. <laughs> You're going to have to record it without us here. <laughs> okay. It does remind me some, uh, somewhat of the Blue Zoo bar area. Case in point, and but it, it's it's kind of cool. It, it has sitting areas that are spread out around the the whole lounge. That's ingenious. Those are, are they, called tables. <laughs> no, 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 no. Are they like little intimate seating areas? They're like little areas? intimate seating areas. <laughs> I've never been to a place like this. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> We're intrigued. I'm not going to talk. I, you know, I made a New Year's resolution. This was going to go better, but it's not. Uh, you have no control over it. I was about to say, that needs to be their but New Year's resolution. But it is like little areas set aside where you have couches together with some chairs and, and a small table. And it's, you know, it's it's different. Like my living room? Like a hotel lobby? <laughs> it, it actually is like a, a living room setting, and they have them spread out around, and then they have like a, the bar area that, you know, you have a wall where you can sit along there, and they have a, like a table or a counter that hangs from the wall. And then they have a disco area where they have actually a dance floor. So they... Oh, great. Bob, people don't disco anymore, by the way. <laughs> well, they, <laughs> This sounds sad. They, they have a DJ. <laughs> And some of the appetizers, I have the menu, so some of the appetizers, they have a cocktail, Campechano shots, which is shrimp and tomato sauce with onions for 11 bucks. Ooh, that sounds good. And then they have a cheese and seasonal fruit platter for 16 bucks. $16 for fruit and cheese? You yeah, betcha. Again, and, uh, and now here is, place, right? but this is, this is my case in point, that when they cater to the convention crowd, they pretty much... Add fifty percent to what they would normally charge. This is located right across from the pepper market, right? Yes. This is the worst idea I've ever heard. And of the my reason, life. well, they, they really did a nice job. I, I took some pictures. I mean, the entrance and everything—it's really a cool space. But you can go across the hallway and eat in the pepper market and right. get good food for oh, a decent. Oh, price. I understand that. Uh, they have uh, shahimi uh, grade tuna, 
Uh, sashimi, for those of you who didn't get that. <laughs> sashimi. And all the time you're doing this, you can sit at these unusual little seating areas. <laughs> I took pictures of those seating areas, and we're going to have them up this week. Uh, that's $13. Seafood cappuccino uh, is 16 bucks. Lobster meat, crayfish, shrimp with uh, cream anglaise and parmesan stick. That's yeah. 16 bucks. Did I do that right? Yeah, but if they're calling it crayfish, no way. Lobster meat. <laughs> Lobster meat, crayfish, and shrimp. Okay. In a cream anglaise. Well, here's where, here's where they also sell... Just watching Bob trying to figure out how to say cream anglaise was fun. And they have these really unusual people who come to your table and they ask you what you want. Martinis are... <laughs> martinis are they're not tables. They're sitting areas. They're like a living room... Couch. They carry lounge pads. chairs. Yeah. I think they it's called a, them litters. It's a lounge. It's a lounge. It's a lounge. Yeah, but it's like being in a living room. Anyway. And what's the name of the place? Rick's. Rick's what? Lounge. Lounge. Ah. So they weren't hiding this fact. <laughs> it's neat. Martinis are somewhere around 12 bucks uh, for a martini. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Okay, hold on. It's going to get better. Uh, Mojitos. Mojitos. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's going. Kevin had a mouthful of soda. Do this Mojitos. when I drink. Oh, Jesus. How much are the Mojitos? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, I can't breathe. <laughs> okay, the in this rarefied air. Oh. <coughs> the pomegranate is 12 bucks. Pineapple and Passion is twelve bucks. Rick's bo- uh, bouquet is what is that? Bacardi Raz and Champagne Monument served with a rose petal. Fifteen bucks. A Bacardi Monument? Bo- no. Uh, what? No. A Champagne Monument. What's a Champagne Monument? <laughs> it's like a one of those tall glasses. Don't you know nothing? Anyway. <laughs> Do you know your mojitos? <laughs> Do you know about the mojitos? I knew how to say creme anglaise. Okay, margar- margaritas are 10 to 14 bucks. With tequila? Frozen. Mar- <laughs> and Grand Mariner. Grand Mariner. Okay. Now, I want to get to the... They actually... Here's, here's something. Don't look at me like that. They actually sell the bottles of the alcohol. And bring it to your table. Oh, they're trying to be an upscale. Yeah, club. like a VIP or right. something. A VIP. That's where they, those sitting areas oh, come yeah, in. Oh, yeah. Let's hear what they're charging. Okay, Bob. here we go. Any minute, Puff Daddy's going to be there. Okay, the Rick's uh, vodkas. They sell. A, 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 they don't even tell you how much, but it's uh, vodka Belvedere is two hundred and twenty-five dollars. <laughs> oh my word! That's Wait. not unusual if you go to a, like an upscale club in Vegas right. to buy you a bottle that's of Vegas. Right. Right. Gray, Gray Goose. $250. You're in Kissimmee. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> You're in Kissimmee. <laughs> Gin. I can get you a case. <laughs> a, bottle, a bottle of Bombay. Call me. We'll bring you one. <laughs> a bottle of Bombay Sapphire, 200 bucks. You've got to be kidding me. It gets better, buddy. Rum, Captain Morgan, 150 bucks. <laughs> I can get that for $4 in Mal- St. Martin. Malibu, uh, rum, Hundred and fifty. You got to be kidding. Bacardi rum, one hundred and fifty. Bourbon, Crown Royal, two twenty five. Two hundred and twenty five dollars. Oh, we get it. We get Jack the idea. Jack Daniels, two twenty five. 
Okay, it, it starts getting better now. Are you going to read the whole thing? No, no, really, Bob. no, 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 wait. Pick <laughs> out just get... the one highest yeah. one for us. Okay, you keep saying it's okay. getting Champagne. better. We're trying to wait. Don Perignon Vintage. <laughs> what was wrong with that? Nothing. That was perfect. It was perfect. I practiced. $400. And That's absurd. A, a Pierre Jout. Jouet. <laughs> Flora Brut. It's 400 bucks. Is Jout Brut? Is that in a monument? And Pierre Jout. I Blanc. wish to apologize to all the French-speaking <laughs> listeners. Wait. Those of French origin. And Pierre Jouet. And particularly. Pierre Jouet Blanc de Blanc. $650. That's absurd. And Moet and Chandon Magnum, 600 bucks. There you go, Julie. The <laughs> well, I don't think I have to post it now. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. But that's the menu for there. But I also want to mention that right around the corner from it, they opened up uh, what they call the Rick's Cafe. And it's a, like a quick, uh, they have pastries for the morning. And uh, they have. Uh, What's that? Croissants Italian? or croissants? Forty-seven dollars. Uh, like, no. This is more of like, this is more of like a, a catch and go type thing, grab and go. You have and, to catch your own croissant. But they also have an area. Chocolate nuts coffee. Well, Forty-six dollars. No, no, no. They have. They have. No, it's a chocolate mo- nuts monument. I, I think they have. They have more of an upscale coffee selection, and um, they also have. What's the ice cream you like? The Italian ice cream. Um, gelato. Gelato. They have a, a section for that and a place where you can get just sodas and, and things like that. So, that, so that's they have just an open to lounge and fast food. <laughs> well, that's around the corner. So, okay. so that's my. No, that was, was my it, rapid fire. That was your rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> that you just started talking about. Oops, which sorry. is why I was particularly merciless in going after you. So um, That wasn't my reasoning. Do you have anything else, Pete? <laughs> that's that's going to do it for me. We'll go to John. We had a... Uh, I don't know if this is, you would consider this a nice surprise or not, but we have the two-park premier annual pass from Universal. I and love that. We've talked about this before. We think it's a great pass. We think this is one of the places where Universal definitely surpasses Disney in the things they offer. In any of their annual passes, not just this one, all of them. Wait till you hear this. This is spectacular. Tremendous. With this premier annual pass, we got these little coupons for water. And you rip it off and you can get a bottle of water. How many do we get with our... I believe you get... Six. I believe eight. Is it eight? It's four. Yeah, I think so. I'm not positive, though. Don't hold me to that. Right. So however many you get, that's that's what you can get the water for. But we got a letter in the mail that said... um, when you received your Universal Orlando Two Park Premier Annual Pass, you were given a ticket sleeve that included coupons for free Zephyr Hillis Natural Spring Water. While your coupons are expiring, you may exchange them. You may exchange any unused two thousand and seven coupons for new ones. Wow, cool! I think that's a really mm-hmm. cool thing. Yeah, I got the same letter. You could just take this in and change your coupons out for new stuff. I just, I think that's incredible customer my, service. My coupon sleeve got washed. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't brought it back to them yet. Can I get another one? Because when he gave it to me, he said, don't lose it. Don't do anything to it. Can't give you another one. So. Well, at least now you can. That's really cool. Take no, your soggy tickets in and get more but water. This is where Universal is really starting to improve their operation. This is what they're focusing on now. They are focusing on the details. They're getting themselves together. for as you know, We have the Simpsons this spring. We have Harry Potter next year. They know they've got one shot here to really build a great audience and a long-term loyalty base fan base for themselves and by doing stuff like this 
they're going to they're going to accomplish it by paying attention de- little details like this. We would never see a letter like this from Disney right. to an annual pass holder ever. Right. Every year it's less and less that you're getting. Universal is coming up with these really creative products for their annual passes that it actually in, in many cases it's worth it just to buy the annual pass to get the discounts, the hotel discounts. I have to tell you I've I've been pretty honest about the fact that Universal rarely does anything that impresses me all that much. <laughs> and it's not that it's Universal versus Disney. I'm just not that impressed with Universal most of the time. This impresses me. All right. Thank you very much, John, for your rapid fire. Kevin. I have a couple. Mine are kind of short. The Yacht Club Galley is getting a new name. It is going to be called the Captain's Grill. The restaurant's still going to offer breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and in the morning it's going to serve steak, or it's going to serve steak and seafood. Guests can uh, start their day with breakfast of American classics like steak and eggs or the oil-you-can-eat buffet. Lunch and dinner will uh, remain similar, but it's going to have a new name. So if you call up looking for an ADR, you now have to ask for the Captain's Grill. Pete's Captain's Dr- Grill. No. <laughs> what? He's starting to say Pete's Captain's Drill. Oh, dear God. <laughs> the second one I have there is... Isn't a sentence, there isn't a sentence in the language he can't destroy, is it? <laughs> the second one I have is the wine and dine plan has been updated. Uh, you're going to be use your, uh, able to use your entitlements. Instead of have, um, to stick to one bottle of wine per dinner, the entitlements that come with the package, you'll be able to get two bottles of wine with dinner. where available and depending on the type of wine you choose. Just if you want to have a second bottle of wine with dinner, if you have more people than you thought you were going to have, you'll be able to sort of use your entitlements in a way that suits you better than Disney telling you how to use them. Good. That's it. Mine's it done. Mine was rapid. Yours was very rapid. Thank you, Kevin. Mr. Martin. Uh, Regina added a great list to the site of all the attraction ride lengths um, of the four, the four theme parks. The, uh, now, this doesn't include like the, the queue or anything. It, just, it starts from the time that you sit down, you're buckled in. Some of the shortest rides, um, Barnstormer. One minute, three seconds. Yeah, it's a very short ride. Yep. Rock and Roller Coaster, one minute, 22 seconds. And one of the longest attractions is um, Ellen's Energy Adventure, 45 <laughs> minutes. 45 minutes. That just feels the longest. Yeah. <laughs> Rock and Roller Coaster is one minute, 22 seconds? Yep. It's the second to shortest. Uh, Boy, that thing attraction. felt a lot longer uh, than me when I was now, second flipping upside down. Yeah. One of the first things Bob asked me to do when I started <laughs> with Dreams Unlimited Travel, he told me to take a stopwatch and go time, Stitch's Great Adventure. And I came... Escape. I had Great Escape. Uh, Great Adventure is a theme park in upstate New York. No, in um, uh, Jackson, New Jersey. Oh, right. There's one in upstate New York, too. Uh so there I sat with my stupid stopwatch. I was using my cell phone, which has a stopwatch on it. And you had asked me to write an article about Stitch's Great Escape. And I asked you if you wanted me to include <laughs> the length of time the ride was in. I was like, who the hell asked you to do that? <laughs> that's, always, that's always something that people want to know. How long are you going to be stuck on that thing? So instead, Regina brought her stopwatch. She took care of it all. We yeah. made Regina do it. <laughs> Thank you, Regina. She sat through 45 minutes of Ellen's energy adventure. <laughs> That's 45 minutes. She of probably nap. snoozed on the bench. It's 45 <laughs> minutes. You're never getting back. That's 45 nap minutes. So, All right. Thank you very much, Corey. Julie Martin. Mine is Disney's California Food and Wine Weekends starting April 11th and ending May 4th of this year. You can celebrate the palate-pleasing flavors of California cuisine and spirits as the Disneyland Resorts play... Disneyland Resorts. <laughs> There's only one, by the way. Disneyland Resorts. <laughs> Disney Disneyland. 
Okay. Nobody can talk today. It's that side of the table. <laughs> I don't feel this that. is what we get for recording the show on a Sunday. Yeah. Oh, okay. So anyway, go ahead, Julie. <laughs> oh, celebrate the palate pleasing flavors of California cuisine and spirits as the Disneyland Resort plays host to a food lovers festival that showcases the diverse tastes of the Golden State. Tastes. <laughs> Did you got some tastes? Did you taste this? <laughs> taste is so good. Fine. Okay. Um, Do they have tequila? They're going to have celebrity chefs and noted sommeliers and fellow culinary connoisseurs and a series of demonstration seminars and Epicurean adventures. That I sounds can't. like such a Kevin word. I cannot think of one noteworthy sommelier. I wouldn't know one if I tripped over one. <laughs> we had a good one on our celebrity cruise. Yeah, but who would know him? <laughs> but these take place every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, like I said, from April 11th through May 4th, and it will be at Disney's California Adventure Park. The Golden Vine Winery is kind of your hub for this little yep. event, so you can find the scheduled events there. You can make same-day reservations if they're available, and the wine shop is also here, so you can purchase some cool gear. I think this is a great idea. I still haven't been able to go. I want to go so I bad. I think this is a great idea. Because you had mentioned it to Matt. We met many years ago, I know. Well, that too. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I really think that... They're Bob is unable to, to avoid saying that every time it's brought I up. I didn't say it. I let you say it. But <laughs> I just beat you to the punch. I knew it was coming out of you. But it is a great use of that pack for a festival type thing and where they tie in the wine country mm-hmm. and everything else. And I just, you know... It, Whoever thought it up was a good idea. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At Disney. I mean, I think they're going to call it Bob's Food and Wine They weekend. should. But, you know, it, it gives them a chance to, to do that food thing that we do over here in, in no, October, November. So that was a great one, Julie. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Bob. That's going to do it for... <laughs> Oh, Bob, oh, I have only hijacked two. He hijacked my hijacked rapid fire and yours, but he never has actually fire, covered his. I haven't his. done my yeah. rapid fire. Well, that's, we're done with rapid fire now. <laughs> what did you have? It's getting closer uh, to the time that Aquatica is going to open in SeaWorld, and I just wanted to bring that up. And we're starting to see uh, there's going to be some pricing that we should have available for uh, people to look at on the show notes. So it's going to open up, I think, in March. And it's it's starting to get exciting over there. So I'm excited. Can't wait to see what they what they do with it. Yeah. So all right, that's it. Great, thank you very much. That's going to do it for rapid fire this week. Although I think it's the longest rapid fire we've ever done. <laughs> and uh, we're going to move on to Kevin Close and his review of La Cellier at Epcot. Okay, I have to start this with a mini rant. First of all, I'm really not pleased with the way what they've done to Disney's Candlelight Processional. They changed this last year so that now you have to eat first and then go see your show. You're talking about the package, not the, the package, The candlelight package, I'm sorry. What used to be a leisurely thing, you would go see the show, walk to dinner, and go on your way, now has turned into a rush through dinner and a rush to stand in line to see the show. When we got in line on Christmas Eve, and I'm not exaggerating, we were in the package holder line, and we got in line at Morocco. Now, those of you familiar with Epcot Terrain, that's two countries away from the United States. Mm. There had to be 700 people ahead of us. It's just ridiculous. It's just, it's become so popular that now you have to get there, even though you're a package holder, you have to get there an hour and 15 minutes before the show starts to even get in line. The other thing I have a small rant about is the way they seat people at the America's Pavilion. 
If you're in a wheelchair, they feel they have to seat you. However, when they seat you in handicapped seating, they're only going to allow two people in your party to sit with you. I explained to them that we would be willing to sit further back, not in the handicapped seating, wherever we could find room for our entire party to sit together. It was Christmas Eve. They would hear none of it. It was during my mini meltdown with a cast member that we ran into uh, someone who said, oh, I recognize that voice. (laughs) (laughs) And turned around and we ran into uh, her name on the boards is the Bead Pirate. And it is Lori and Rick. Oh, they're from New Orleans. And they presented us with a beautiful beaded, it's a bead necklace with a mirrored Mickey head as a sort of... It's really cool looking, too. It really disco is. Disco Ball Mickey. It is yes. Disco Ball Mickey. And that's going to sit here prominently in our um, recording studio. But I'm always not, I'm, I, you know, now I have to be careful of having these meltdowns in front of people because someone <laughs> is going to walk up to me and go, well, I know who you are. We were, in, uh, we were in World of Disney last night, and one of our agents is actually here, Dagny. And Dagny said, I heard Kevin's voice from across the room, so I just think you're loud, is what I think the problem is. <laughs> you're just obnoxious. Loud and, and tall. <laughs> so, all right, that's my mini rant. We started dinner. Uh, we got to the podium we actually got there early on christmas eve we uh got good parking we got through the crowd okay and we got to the podium and i explained that uh bob and i have a system we make our christmas eve reservations uh, for the a candlelight processional package the very day they're announced once they're announced bob and i are on the phone first thing in the morning we can communicate via the computer and what we do is we both call and the first one that's through makes the reservations for both parties. So we got, I think I was through, I was through yeah, first this year, through. and I think I was on the phone at like one minute after seven. And I always make us two reservations, because we always try and get uh, Le Cellier, it's been our tradition, and Le Cellier is a small restaurant, so finding a table for eight is difficult. So in an effort to be good guests, we make two reservations for four. Now when we get to the podium, I explain to them that there are two parties of four, for the exact same time, and if they can seat us together, that would be awesome. However, if they can't, we're very understanding. It is the one of the busiest nights of the year, and right. we'll happily take two tables for four. But if we could sit together, it would be great. Right. As I was explaining to this, there was an audio animatronic hostess <laughs> who had a preloaded spiel. And she was going to get through it at the same time I was trying to explain to this to her. So when we were both finished, she stopped and said, so do you have reservations? so i had to start over and explain to her the whole thing over again that was fine she took our name it was a five minute wait and i have to say they were terrific when disney does something well they do something well and their aim is to please guests they if they really want to please me they should let us eat after the show but that's another thing uh we were seated at a table for eight they were terrific about it our tradition has always been to go to Le Cellier. I don't know how that started. I think it's just a, it's the place that has the food that most of us enjoy. Well, I think all of us were swept up in the uh, in the initial rush of how great Le Cellier was back in the day. Yeah, it's got this iconic status that it ruins people's vacations if they can't get a reservation there. And I was able to count. I think there's about twenty five tables. Yeah, in all of Le Cellier total. Mm-hmm. It's not a big place. We were seated, and our waiter came and took. They, he explained that as part of the candlelight package, you're um, entitled to an appetizer, an entree, a dessert, and a non-alcoholic beverage. So we all started uh, with our entrees, and ev- or I'm sorry, we ordered our appetizers, and we 
know how Disney is that if you order your appetizer and your entree at the same time, you get them at the same time. So we kind of told him we were going to take a second to look it over. And one of the things that we noticed was that the appetizer portions have gotten ridiculously small. One of the things that's really popular with our group group is the beef and barley soup. It is uh, $5.99 a bowl. That bowl has now become a cup about the size of a teacup. Mm. Hmm. Mm. Two of the people, John and someone else in our party, ordered the soup and deemed it inedible. The salt was so bad. No, the pepper. The, I'm pepper. sorry, the pepper was so bad that it literally closed your throat off when you took it. And John's pretty sturdy. Yeah, I mean, he, he's not really picky. No. Took one bite of it and couldn't talk. Yeah. It was that highly peppered. It was so spicy and so hot that it actually colored the rest of my meal. Yeah. It was two thirds of the way through my regular meal. I kept saying, This has no flavor. Taste this. This has no flavor. Because you and couldn't. I, yeah. And everyone else said, Oh, no, it's fine. What are you talking about? It actually affected my taste buds. You must have got the bottom of the pot where all the seasonings uh-huh. settle. I don't know what it was. It was horrible. I know. I, I was sitting next to him and it was like automatic re- uh, reaction as soon as he put it in. Revulsion. His mouth. My mom ordered one and it literally made her choke. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, we also ordered the Canadian cheddar cheese soup, which again the portion has shrunk ridiculously, and that's five forty nine a bowl. And while it's good, it could have been hotter. Mm. It was, it was okay. Nobody really complained. I, I we have this sort of joke in my family. I love the beef stack or the beef steak tomato stack. It that comes on of this really kind of odd shaped plate, and it's uh, a beautiful red ripe tomato layered with slices of mozzarella cheese in a, a balsamic vinaigrette with some herbs over the top of it. With he looks forward. He looks forward to this every year. I, it's I made the reservations in June, I think, and I knew that <laughs> I was getting this. Also, La Cellier has you know how people have pepper grinders. La Cellier uses sea salt, I'm so sorry. they have a, a salt grinder. So you get these sort of big chunks of salt on your tomato. It's just something I really, really yeah. like. So I ordered it. It comes now on a saucer. It is one slice of tomato with two marble-sized balls of mozzarella cheese. You're I'm not exaggerating no. when I tell you marble size. You should have seen his face. A little drin- drizzle of vinaigrette and some like crushed tomatoes out of a can on top of it. And I said to the man, this is the beefsteak tomato stack? He said, yeah. There's no stack. So I said to him, when did things like this change? Nothing's changed. This is exactly yeah. the way it's always been. I said, how long have you been here? Well, I've been here since March. And I thought, well, okay, things might not have changed since March. But since the last time I was here, which was last Christmas Eve, this has gone from being four slices of tomato and four good slices of mozzarella cheese that we always shared. I would give John a slice. I would give my folks a slice. I would give Bob and his wife a I slice of my tomato. I forward to getting part of that slice. <laughs> It was one slice of tomato. That's insane. And this is seven dollars and ninety nine cents. Unreal. And, and instead of the thick slice of the white cheese, uh, two cheese, little two marbles. Two marble so balls. It, it's safe to say that uh, the new chef who's come in is a complete idiot. Well, I, I can't say that. Can't Let me finish this because the rest of the food was okay. Um. Again, the portions... But if they're making decisions like this... I'm, uh, whoever's making this decision, if this is a, a management decision or a chef's decision, this is a really bad decision because your menu is now a lie. Mm-hmm. The menu description says, beefsteak tomato stack with caramelized onions, marinated mozzarella, and yuzu vinaigrette. 
I'm sorry. I did not have a stack. I had a slice of tomato and two little marble-sized pieces of mozzarella that were tough, dry and tough. Mozzarella has to be kept wet for it to become, for it to be flavorful. It's a really moist cheese. These were hard little marbles. Unreal. All right. Then after the um, the beef soup fiasco, one I don't remember who did it, but somebody said I'd like to exchange this for another appetizer. It's inedible, and somebody got the spicy chicken and chipotle sausage with creamy polenta and sweet onion jam. Brian got that. Now I have to ask you: Does that scream Canada to you? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Canada! It was it was this little gnarled chipotle sausage. That was so spicy and hot. Very few people at the table could eat it. On creamy polenta with some onions. But I thought, this is really a very Southwestern flavor. Mm. This is a real Southwestern... Isn't Chipotle or whatever that word is? Southwest Canada. It was an odd choice to be put on the menu. However, it is put on the menu. There are eight appetizers. Shrimp cocktail, beefsteak tomato, mixed field greens, cheddar soup, Prince Edward Island mussels. I had those. weird spicy chicken chipotle sausage thing. A steakhouse Caesar and beef barley soup. They range in price from, I believe, ten ninety nine, which is the mussels that Bob had. You like the mussels. You get yeah, them every year. I get them every year with the cheddar soup as a side. So this, the cheddar soup is five forty nine. The, In my opinion, the appetizers were a disaster. Mm. The cheddar cheese soup should have been hotter. The beef barley soup was inedible. And they also reduced the size of the cheddar cheese soup? The size yeah, of the portion. It, it comes in a teacup. They don't give you an option to buy to get a bowl? No. Oh, it's not, it's not a cup this bowl. is listed as a bowl. A, that would be 100 oh. bucks for a bowl of cheddar cheese soup. Uh, is, they were just awful. Mm. Uh, our, our waiter was just fine. Our, kept our drinks full. I can't say that he was outstanding, but it was Christmas Eve. So, right, so you can give a little leeway for I, I, that. Right. I, our, our service was adequate. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was great. I wouldn't say it was bad. It was adequate. Yeah. We ordered our entrees. John had the New York Strip. We There was another one of those at our table. We had the seared free-range chicken. Uh, Bob had the, full, the, the, the mushroom full, filet. Mushroom filet. I had the mushroom filet. I would say that all of the entrees were also adequate. No one was saying, oh, this is really, really great. No one said this was really, really bad. Yeah. However, at $29 an entree, you should be saying... This is spectacular. This is some of the best food I've ever had on Disney property. Right. And even giving them credit for the fact that this not is... Only for the, I'm sorry. Not only for the price, but for the reputation it has. That, mm-hmm. I guess that's where I really was going. Now, I was going to say, given them... I keep saying that this is sort of like a caveat that it was Christmas Eve. However, I didn't get a discount that it was Christmas Eve. Correct. I still okay. paid full price. I, I also have a point. Even though it was Christmas Eve, for the whole candlelight processional... Uh, package. They do this every day from Thanksgiving right through till right. the end of the candlelight. So it's this is an, an every night occurrence. They're not doing anything different because it's Christmas Eve than if it was the twenty third or the first of November, uh, December, or anything else. So this is what you get. Entrees range from seventeen ninety nine for an heirloom squash ravioli. Doesn't that sound awful? Yeah. To twenty nine ninety nine for the strip steak and the mushroom fillet. Again, my mushroom fillet. I would suggest I had. I'm going to guess I had four or five ounces of meat. What? It was. I eat a four ounce fillet. It was this big, no. and it came on some mushroom risotto. 
That's what it was. Twenty nine ninety nine. It's advertised as a seven ounce, but they they definitely. It's. It doesn't say oh, that wait, here. You, no, wait. Diana and you. No, I had the Vasselli oh, 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 mushroom right, right, right. fillet. I had the other one. The other fillet. The, the seven, seven ounce, ounce fillet. Seven ounce fillet. John and my dad had the New York strip, and they both said the same thing. It's good. It was, was right? tender. I mean, it was tender. It was easy to cut. However, in my opinion, on the mushroom fillet I had, and I'm not pushing Outback here, but I can go to Outback and get the Outback special for fourteen ninety nine, and come out of there to the point where I can't walk. I'm so full. This is not like this. One of the things I always look forward to is their cream cheese mashed potatoes. They were cold and they were flavorless. Actually, the mashed potatoes were watery. Mm. Their mashed potatoes are usually thick. and So the reports about this chef not being up to snuff are fairly accurate. I would say that this has slipped greatly. Because all these things you're talking about are all in the chef's control. Anything that comes out of that kitchen, anything that's put on a table in front of a customer is the chef's responsibility. And this sounds to me like this guy came in there and thought he was going to put his mark on stuff. And it sounds to me like he's just wrecking the menu. He's resting on the reputation, too. It's not the same menu that we had the year before. Perhaps he he moved over from uh, the Coral Reef. (laughs) (laughs) There are no crab cakes on the menu. Um, We we moved on to dessert. Now, dessert is one of those things where it's kind of a should we chance it? kind of mm-hmm. thing and this was i think it was 59 is it 59 dollars? i apologize i don't know the price of the candlelight processional off the no, top of my head 49 dollars 99 or something like that this was a 50 dollar meal i shouldn't have to make the decision do i want dessert or do i need to get in line and that's what yes, it comes down that's to. what it, it, it that's what it turns out to be right so it actually some of the desserts were boxed up and taken home and again, this should be a meal. I shouldn't really have to decide, do I want dessert and coffee, or do I need to rush over to the American Pavilion? Uh, the desserts we tried, uh, we, did, we did order them, and everybody took a couple bites. We had, um, I'm sorry, I have to get a different menu. I do have the dessert menu with me. We tried the warm apple spice crumble, the creme brulee. Somebody had the seasonal sorbet. I had the sorbet to clean my And we palate. had the chocolate on chocolate. I keep explaining this to you. You clean your palate between courses, not at the end of the meal. This isn't like a handy wipe. I know about this. <laughs> <laughs> you just like it, huh? I just like to clean my it's palate. It's like pla- those little packets of stuff you get when you eat lobster, and you have to wipe your hands with them. Right. Cleansing your palate is so you <laughs> don't a, taste that, That's a kitty Dukakis I knew I could get you man. going on that. <laughs> It's a palate cleanser. I know, but it, you're not having another course, so there's nothing to cleanse, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Most of the desserts were left on the table. There was nothing remarkable or disgusting about any of them. The chocolate it, cake is... I actually thought the chocolate cake was good. Yeah, all right. I did. I thought the chocolate good, cake was good. But not great. Right. I wouldn't order it on my own. And all desserts are... I'm sorry. The desserts run from seven ninety nine for the chocolate cake to... Five ninety nine. Uh, I'm sorry, four ninety nine for the chocolate mousse and the campfire s'mores. This is a fifty dollar meal. It's a rushed experience if you're trying to make the candlelight. And I think the problem is that we're fostering this iconic status that you have to eat in this restaurant. There are far superior choices to be made on Disney property for less money and far less difficulty getting a reservation. I heard them telling people at the podium that there were no reservations until March. 
And while we sat there and waited, while we sat there and had our dinner, I'm sorry, while we were waiting for food, there were empty tables which remained empty throughout the course of our meal. Mm. It's not that they were empty for 10 minutes until they were refilled. We watched tables sit empty for the entire hour and a half that we were there. And it's not like there's little two-top tables that are empty. Sometimes they just go empty. These were four-top tables and booth seats that were empty. I was surprised. So I don't know why. I get the feeling that they're telling people that there are no reservations to maintain this status of this air of difficulty. In my opinion, uh, our, our tradition, I told Bob Christmas Eve, our tradition has been to go to La Cellier and go see the Candlelight Processional. Yeah. I have a feeling that my tradition next year, our tradition next year is going to change. I don't want to be rushed through a $50 dinner anymore. I either. Um, I'm a little tired of Gary Sinise. He's nice, but he's not the best one. He just likes to do it on Christmas Day. And I can go see the narrator of my choice, go to the restaurant of my choice in a far less rushed manner, spend less money, and not have to put up with this. And, and as far as getting a better dinner, I'm going someplace other than La Cellier next year. And get and get to sit together, too. Right. Because we, didn't, we ended up having to sit on another row. At the Candlelight Processional. At the Candlelight yeah, Processional. We couldn't even sit together. So our Christmas tradition is, I think what we're doing is we're just kind of keeping it alive because this is what we do. I think it's time to change it. It's become rushed and uncomfortable and not worth the money in my opinion. Well, it's like anything else Disney gets their hands on. Once it's popular, they just try and soak as much money as they can out of it. And if that means that the experience for you is going to be lessened, then that's fine. Well, I know why they did this. What they've done is they forced you to eat first and then go see the show. A, you're not going to linger over your table because you've got to get out. Right. That means they can turn the table over faster. Also, what they've done is for the earlier show, if they force you to eat first, they can force you into lunch. They can force you into these shoulder times for dinner. That the so the, the the latest show is seven or eight o'clock. So that now they have the seven to nine o'clock dinner spots available for people who are just making reservations. Right. It's no longer a package deal, so they no longer feel that they're wasting or they're losing money on this. Plus the park is open till nine thirty, so that gives them a little extra time. Right. And on extra magic nights when it's over there during the Christmas time. They get to stay till midnight, so that opens up that whole restaurant for a even later time period. So, in my opinion, Le Cellier wasn't bad, but it's not the kind of thing that you should feel that you've been dealt some crushing blow if you couldn't get a reservation. Mm. Go to Le Chefs de France. Mm. Go to the Yachtsman. You'll get a far superior meal, in my opinion, far less drama, and I, you just can get away with not going there. I don't think you're missing anything. I have a postscript to Kevin's review. A couple days, maybe a week after Christmas, I was online checking my credit card statement because that's the way I roll. And and I noticed that there was a charge for Chefs de France for $450. I have to – not Chefs de France. I mean – Le Cellier. Le Cellier, I'm sorry. For Le Cellier for Christmas Eve for $450. This is $200 more than our bill. So I called them up. And I said, listen, I'm looking at my, my credit card statement online. This is $200 more than our bill and the tip. Um, I'm sure it's just a mistake. I'm sure someone just put in the wrong numbers. But, you know, I wanted it fixed. Got a manager. She was very, very nice. Uh, Do you have your receipt? Yes. What's the check number? I gave her the check number. She says, oh, I see what happened. Your server put in the full amount of the bill for his tip. 
<laughs> Merry Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. She said, you know, and she was very nice about it, and she fixed it right away, and she said it was probably a mistake, and he was probably rushed, and blah, 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 blah. Check your credit card statements. Diana, you know? Diana, this is for you. Check your credit card statement. Yep. Make sure we didn't get overcharged. I mean, he was rushed that night, and I'm, I don't believe that he did it on purpose. I don't think no, he's trying to scam so. anybody, but I think being rushed and having that many people to deal with, it just was a mistake. But I have to wonder how many people don't check their credit card numbers. And I am not disparaging this man's um, honor or his reputation, but I have to wonder if you hadn't caught that, would he have been paid that $240? I'm sure he walked out with that in his pocket. Well, usually, I don't know how that when works. You, yeah, I don't know how that works either. Usually when you leave for that night, you leave with your tips. I don't know how Disney does it, though. Yeah. yeah it's just a Christmas Eve mistake. I'm, I Check your credit card statements. Yeah. It's a good tip. All right. Well, thank you very much, Kevin. I appreciate the review. All right. We are going to move on to our next segment today, Trip Planning 101, part one of our Trip Planning 101 series. I wanted to uh, do something like this in the beginning of the year because this is when everybody historically starts planning their trips. Everybody, you know, our, our traffic goes through the roof. Everybody's traffic goes through the roof. Everybody starts booking their trips and making their plans for the rest of the year. So we thought this would be a good time over the course of the next at least three or four podcasts to talk about different aspects of trip planning that we might not normally discuss on the show. Um, and I'm hoping that whether you're a experienced visitor or a first-time visitor, that we'll come up with some things that you hadn't thought of or didn't know that can help you plan your trip. So. I consider myself pretty well-versed in planning trips and stuff like this. And in doing research for this, I came across something that I'll share later that I didn't know that I think is a great resource tool. Cool. Cool. It's, uh, what we're going to do for this first part is we're going to discuss uh, what the best time of year to travel is and why. Uh, which hotel is the right to choose for you, whether you should say on property or off. So that's going to be our part one discussion. And like I said, each week we're going to uh, do a new installment focusing on different areas of trip planning. Things you need to keep in mind while you're getting ready for your for your next vacation. So we're going to start off with the uh, first thing I want to talk about, which is best time of year to travel. We get this question and feedback probably more than any other. Um, this is a, a constant question for people. When should I go? Now, conventional wisdom right now, what, what, people, what most people will tell you, is based on what was true three, four, five years ago. Disney has changed a bit in terms of its traffic, in terms of the number of people who are going to Disney World every year. Uh, where you used to have historically slow times throughout the year, you don't really have that so much anymore. You have times that are a little bit slower than others, but as we were talking about earlier on in the show, um, you were just over at uh, uh, Pleasure Island. Downtown Disney. Downtown Disney. And it was packed to the rafters. And Disney has become... One of the things that happened is after 9-11, Disney was forced to change a uh, way of thinking in terms of how they sell things that had been very entrenched in them since Michael Eisner first took over, which was, we're not going to discount. We don't have to. We have to maintain price integrity. And after such a massive hit to the tourism industry after 9-11, Disney was forced to start doing something to attract vis visitors because I think it was 2002 was the only year in about 20 where their numbers actually went down. I'm not sure of the specifics. Oh, I can't say the word. I, I'm not sure of the specifics of that, that it, it was, in fact, the only time. 
But I know I remember it being a very, very big deal, and they were all in a panic because none of them were getting bonuses. And all of a sudden, in 2003, we started seeing these package deals. They started learning. They started A, they saw, wow, we can really we can do this and make a lot of money. So that's why you've continued to see it now for four years. And they also realized that they could drive a lot of business to their traditionally slower times, which used to be January, um, September. Between, well, and also between uh, uh, President's Week and Spring Break. After Easter. Um, the end of August, September, um, and of course the, like, uh, the beginning of November and uh, early December used to be the ideal time to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, those rules don't really apply anymore. You are going to need to go into making any plans for a Disney vacation expecting that there are going to be crowds. It's going to be crowded. Is it going to be stupid crowded or just crowded is the question you need to ask yourself. Stupid crowded is, of course, reserved for times like President's Week, Spring Break, Fourth uh, of July, uh, the summer in general, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, October is becoming – there are po- – Parts of early October, especially around Columbus Day, that are becoming insane. Jersey also, weekend, the week that Jersey's out of school. That week well, let's, being... we, yeah, let's explain what that is. Uh, in, in New Jersey, there is a uh, – New Jersey is unique in that the teachers' union holds a convention the first week of November, and the, te- and the schools are closed while the teachers go to this convention in Atlantic City. We loved it as kids. I mean, it was just the greatest thing. We had this extra break. And so what happens is, is a lot of people from New Jersey have this great opportunity to travel when nobody else is usually traveling. So you get this big influx of folks from Jersey. I don't know how much of an impact that has overall. Mm. Um, I know it probably doesn't help the crowds, but um, I don't know that that's the reason the parks would be, would be packed. I think at this point, like I said, there are more deals. There are better offers. There are things out there. Disney has become much more adept in working the system, moving away from that arrogant position of we're not going to discount to a place of now we'll discount, but when we need it. October is the biggest uh, convention month in Orlando also. Yeah. Very popular. Yeah, January style. And now December. December has become, December has simply become busy. I think that's the Internet's fault. Yes. I think sites like ours, I've said it before, sites like ours are responsible for that because when we first started, you know, these were the trends. And so we pushed it hard. Like every other website, we were saying, okay, no, December's a great time to go. January's a great time. September. And so as, you know, we started moving, there's two types of people who go to Disney World. You've got the Disney fans and then the normal people who just want to go to Disney. The Disney fans, there are a lot of us, started planning our vacations around these other times. And we have helped, I think, to even out the crowds throughout the year. So we have only ourselves to blame for this problem. Well, Disney also added things like Soap Weekend, the the Soap Weekends, the Star Wars Weekends, mm-hmm. the, the parties, at the night. parties, the the Pirates and Princess parties have expanded to January, February, March, April, and May, and also in September, uh, August and September, and those are where the slow periods are. So they're starting to double sell their theme park tickets on a day where they have a day guest and then they have a, a princess and a pirate and princess thing. Exactly. And they've expanded all those. Uh, Flower and Garden has gotten to be, they've extended the dates on that to be a longer period of time. And those are things that Disney's doing to All to these things draw, things. Uh, draw crowds and help distribute um, a, lot of, a lot of traffic where they need it, like I said. So 
really the most important factor in making a decision as to when you're going to travel is whether or not, if you have children, whether or not you're going to pull them out of school. A lot of parents don't like to do that. If you're not willing to pull them out of school for the vacation, you are going to be dealing with the stupid crowds. And the only way to actually have an enjoyable vacation in that case is to really do your homework, which is what this whole series is about. Doing your homework, making sure you plan, you know, what attractions you need to hit, how you're going to get your fast passes. You've got to understand all of that stuff. Disney is, it has, never was, but especially not now, is not a kind of place you can go into and just wing it. That doesn't work. Yeah. Winging it means you are not getting nearly the value you should be getting for the money that you're spending. The only people who um, benefit from winging it are the true, are the people who have been here enough times right. to know how to maneuver their way through the park and are willing to pass up the big deal kind of stuff. Oh, also, the point that I got to before I moved down here was I'd come down so many times that I really didn't care about Russia. I just wanted to be here. Right. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be in the hotel. I'll go in and have an esoteric experience. And if you don't care that the line for Space Mountain is three, three hours long and you can skip Space Mountain this time, you might be able to do something like that. But if you're looking to actually see the things that everybody wants to see, you really can't wing it. No, you can't. And, yeah. and planning in every regard will save you money, will save you time, will increase the enjoyment. Um, so knowing the facts and not working off old information is the reason I wanted to include best time of year to travel is the first thing we talked about. Because, like I said, there has been conventional wisdom for a long time. I really don't think it applies anymore. I think it's a new day in terms of crowd management at Disney. And it's going to be real interesting to see what happens if these crowds continue to grow at the rate they did just in 2007. I would like to add something to the time of year to go. I find it much easier to be polite when it's not 200 degrees outside. Yeah. I'm one of those people that if you're affected by the heat, it's going to affect you worse in a crowd and it's hot. So if you're one of those people who really doesn't like heat and humidity, um, October, November, December, January, February, and March are your times to come. Other and than that, you can expect to be I would say October hot. is still really and, hot. Uh, well, this past year, we, we, didn't, we really didn't see the change in temperature down here this year. Until this week. Until, well, no. <laughs> no, until right before Thanksgiving is when, was when that heat wave, those 95-degree days stopped. But the but humidity it was into November. a little bit. It cuts back. Oh, yeah, for sure. I yeah. was in the park today, and it was like I didn't want to leave. It was 70-something 70, 70 degrees, and it was beautiful out, blue sky. So... That's my suggestion on in, in terms of best time of year to travel. Um, I want to talk a little bit, too, about choosing a hotel. That's another decision that can really make or break your experience. And, and this is a decision that is very personal, I think, for everybody um, in terms of what your, what, what your requirements are. For some people, it's going to have to be on Disney property, period. There's no other discussion. They're not going to look at off-property. They're not going to look at... Even the Swan Dolphin, um, they're going to stay in a Disney uh, in a Disney resort. Um, if that's you, God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. How to pick a hotel on Disney property? What would you guys say is the uh, are, are some of the important factors? Price, family size, how many people are in your party? Mm -hmm. I, I would have said something entirely different. I would have said, how are you going to use your room? If you're one of those people who is going to crash there, and as soon as the sun comes up, you're gone again. Than the Pop Century or one of the All Star Resorts, all you need is a bed, a bed and a bathroom. 
if you're somebody who likes to spend time around the resort, I would say then that's a consideration. That there's more to do around the moderates and the deluxe resorts. That, you know, while there's pools at the value resorts, they're not as heavily themed. They're not as heavily themed. There's just, there's more to do in the other resorts. So if you're looking for one of those places where it's just crash and go, then you don't need a fancy resort. I think for most families, when they start to think about a vacation anywhere, their two factors are when and how much is it going to cost me. So I think that's the first thing a lot of people think about is what is my budget for this trip? Yeah, and the the hotels we all know are broken up into value, moderate, and deluxe. Well, so, actually, I want to uh, – before you go on, I, I want to make sure that we uh, uh, explain some of this stuff for some of the people who may be listening to us for the first time and who may be complete Disney novices when we talk about Pop Century all-star movies. And so John is just talking about the different right. delineations between the resorts. There's the value, moderate, and resorts. And these are the, the trim levels, if you will, of Disney resorts, and they uh, – base amenities, uh, room size, uh, um, options you can get with your room. The value resorts are the all-star resorts as well as the pop century. The moderate resorts are um, Caribbean Beach, Coronado Springs, Port Orleans Riverside, and Port Orleans French Quarter. The deluxe resorts are Grand Floridian, Polynesian, Contemporary, Wilderness Lodge, Beach Animal Club. Kingdom Lodge, Animal Kingdom Lodge, Beach Club, Beach Club Yacht Club, Boardwalk, Boardwalk, <laughs> Boardwalk Villas. No, oh, no. that's oh, a different Wales. that's a different classification. Yacht Club, Beach Club. We just did those. Oh, yeah. Then there's a classification of home away from home or DVC properties, which are the uh, Disney Vacation Club. Disney Vacation Club, which offer different amenities: Animal Kingdom Lodge Villas, Boardwalk Villas. Beach Club Villas. Beach Club Villas, Wilderness Lodge Villas, Old Key West, Saratoga Saratoga Springs. So, again, this is what adds a complexity to it is that a lot of people say, now I have this amount of money to spend. Before you go further, there's some resorts that we haven't mentioned. There's Fort Wilderness. The campgrounds. The campground, which doesn't really fit into any of those categories. But they have cabins also that sleep. Well, actually, I think they consider those home away from home because they have the, the cabins. Yeah. Uh, as well as the campsites. A lot of the DVC ones are considered home away from home. Well, they are, all yeah. of them. So when people look at how much can I spend and you look at these different resorts, this becomes an overwhelming proposition. On our site, we've got a, a great list that we put together for, actually Regina put together, talks about the season, what time of year to travel, what prices you can expect, but also breaks it down by resort and also room price. So that should help you out in looking as well. However, there's another factor involved here as well in that you can get discounts. And this is something that becomes, um, for some people, almost the, the, the crux of the planning. How can I get the most resort for the least amount of money? What am I looking for as far as discounts go? When you look for discounts in a resort, there are, for the most part, you're pretty limited. You have a Florida resident discount that Disney offers. There's an annual pass holder that Disney discount that Disney offers, and these are always very limited to the time of year that, that you're going to travel and the number of rooms that are available. So one of the things we like to tell people is um, don't over-anticipate the availability of these discounts. There are people who will book in anticipation of something called free dining, which is a package that Disney offers where the dining portion is free and will book more resort than they can afford in anticipation of this discount being offered. And a lot of times people get disappointed 
oh, it wasn't offered for the dates I wanted. It's more money than I thought it was going to be. So you have to kind of take that into consideration when you're looking at the whole money aspect of it. Now, that's uh, that, that's what you have to consider in terms of your, your on-property, mm-hmm. if you're going to stay on-property. Um, the other thing, and I'm, I'm really very surprised at the number of people who still don't realize what the Swan Dolphin hotels are. Uh, most people know that they are not owned by Disney, yet they reside on Disney property. I will not go into the whole backstory on why that is. It just is. And those hotels are owned and operated by Sheridan and Weston, respectively. I think the Dolphin is Sheridan. And uh, are they still? Is it still divided like that, or is it just Starwood? Starwood. <laughs> now Starwood. it's just Starwood. Yeah, so uh, it's just Starwood. Yeah. But uh, two incredible hotels located right there on uh, Crescent Lake in Ep- outside of Epcot, and a price point that is routinely half of what the Yacht Club, Beach Club, and Boardwalk are getting for the same for the same rooms. And the uh, location. The location is very the important. The location is incredibly important. It's walking distance to Epcot. It's right there next to those other resorts. Uh, the only difference between Yacht Club, Beach Club, Boardwalk, and those two hotels is that Disney owns some of them, and two Four, of them yeah. Disney doesn't own. So in terms of you know getting a, paying 159 or $169 a night at the Swan and Dolphin versus 300 a night at the Beach Club, is the fact that Disney owns one and not the other really that important? And people just automatically overlook it. These are beautiful resorts. They've... I know a lot of people were turned off by the decor early on because it was a little too whimsical. They've gone away from that now. They went real elegant. They just did a six. I think it was a sixty million dollar renovation to the hotel, both hotels. Great guest rooms. I went over this on our best of list mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the, uh, in December, but it's worth repeating. Uh, the bedding, the beds, and the bedding at the Swan Dolphin absolutely, positively dwarf anything Disney has to offer in any one of their hotels. Diana loves those They beds. are the most comfortable beds, and I'm telling you, after a day in the theme parks, falling into one of those beds is one of my favorite things in the world. So you can't overlook that in terms of the off-property price point with the on-property location. That's one of the reasons we really love the Swan and Dolphin. And they have the extra magic hour, and they have the... Transportation, the regular Disney transportation, right. yes. I think it's, to the theme parks. I think it's fair at this point to explain to people what does that mean, Disney-owned versus non-Disney-owned. Uh, people who stay in a Disney hotel get certain perks, and the Swan Dolphin, the Swan Dolphin the shares Schwan. the Swan Dolphin. The Swan Dolphin. You're going to kill the Swan? I, yes. <laughs> the Swan sh- Man doesn't own the hotel. You're going to shoot the Swans? <laughs> uh, we have to have that funny girl reference. <laughs> the Swan Dolphin share some of those perks but not all of them for example like you mentioned that they you can take disney transportation anywhere right from the, the boat Dolphin. you can take the boat for to mgm or, or and also epcot or you can take the bus for to uh, magic kingdom or animal kingdom or you can hoof it or the, it takes you to the uh, downtown disney too and also you get the extra magic hours right as the same thing that the resort guests get, get and that's the stay before or after the park opens or closes and there's only one other hotel that has that and that's the Hilton in downtown Disney every nobody else has the, that feature and that's right. a great feature it, it is. really it is. is now some of the places where you the things you don't get that a Disney resort uh, guest gets you don't participate in magical express Correct. Which is the free transportation that Disney provides their on-property guests from the airport to the resort and vice versa. You don't get charging privileges in the parks back to your room. 
So you can't use your key to the room like you can if you stay in a Disney resort right. to charge in the parks right. and things right. like that. Can't ship the gifts back to the room. That's correct. You can ship them to the front of the park and pick them up, but you can't get them shipped back to your room. Or you can ship them home for a, for a fee. So those are the type of things. Is this Are these minor inconveniences worth it? Are they worth the difference in price? That's where you have to weigh right. whether you're paying extra uh, to get the Magical Express for the pricing. You, you're getting a better price at at the Swan Dolphin as opposed to the other three or four resorts. And one more thing. You can't add your park pass to your room key. When you stay at a Disney resort, you get to have a key to the world card, and you can put your passes on that card. So your you park have, passes. Park passes on that card. You don't have to take... Extra passes with units all together. That's one of the things right. you don't get staying at a Swan Dolphin Hotel. And the, so, again, it's yeah. a trade-off. Is it really worth it? And uh, finally, you have to consider off-property. I mean, really off-property. So you have the Lake Buena Vista area, uh, which encompasses mostly uh, Popka Island Road, uh, Highway 535. Well, there's also the hotels at um, on Hotel Plaza Boulevard, hotel. which are considered on Disney property, but are not Disney hotels. Correct. Correct. You have the uh, the Seven Sisters, I believe they call them. Mm. And uh, that's all right outside of uh, the downtown Disney marketplace. Now, there is transportation from those hotels. It is not Disney transportation. Those hotels pay for their own transportation and will take you to the parks. Correct. So you have, um, the, uh, you have the Lake Buena Vista area where you have a number of different uh, options. Now, in my opinion... Um, the Lake Buena Vista area tends to have it tends to be a nicer environment than some of the places over on Highway 192, which is why we're very selective about where we recommend people go. Uh, well, with any hotel, you think about all the hotels that are in Orlando, all the off-property hotels that are in Orlando that would love to be on our site, and I think we represent about eight or nine of them. Of course, the Swan Dolphin is included. We have a financial relationship with them, uh, but. In the in the Lake Buena Vista area, the two properties that we're we're very hot on are Buena Vista Suites and Sheridan Vistana. Uh, Buena Vista Suites normally comes in with a rate somewhere around eighty eight dollars a night. is not very difficult to get. You get a two room queen suite. Uh, it's comfortable. It's clean. It's nicely appointed. Uh, and you get a great continental breakfast, a full no, continental no, breakfast. No, it's not continental. It's a full, full uh, American breakfast. American breakfast. Excuse me. You can get eggs cooked. You can't get everything but omelets. omelets. But it's got the fruit, the cereals, and all the other stuff. But and eggs and stuff. So it's it's not a continental, and it's a great breakfast. I, you know, everybody that's booked in the room gets it free. And they also have better than average transportation uh, to and from the parks if you don't want to rent a car. Although, my recommendation is absolutely, if you're going to stay off property, rent a car. Yes, I uh, absolutely agree with that. The uh, hotel transportation, well, like I said, some are okay, some are really horrible. It's scheduled. It's so scheduled. It it's not the way to vacation. You don't want to, you know, if you miss the last shuttle and the next one's not for another 30 minutes, um, after a day in the parks, you don't want to be sitting at a bus stop. Right. So, time is valuable. So. As, as far as that goes, uh, you know, Buena Vista Suites, we've been doing business with them a, a long time. They take great care of our visitors. They're we've great. never had a problem with them. Yeah. And uh, Sheridan Vistana, same thing. Um, now, these uh, Sheridan Vistana is actually a timeshare uh, company uh, that's more part of Sheridan Timeshare. And what they do is with these units that aren't full, they, they rent them out as, as regular hotel rooms. 
the reason I allowed them on the site uh, was mainly because, well, A, it's a beautiful, it beautiful property. And his price point was outstanding. The value of it is excellent. But there is not any kind of timeshare pitch going on. You don't have to sit through a three-hour presentation. There may be some literature left in, in the room for you to look at, but you'll never be called. You're not going to be hounded. You're not, nobody's knocking on your door. You, you, are, renting a ho- them, you yeah. are renting a hotel room. If you want to approach them, the opportunity's there, yeah. believe me. But they're not like that. They don't run it like that. It's not a sleazy timeshare outfit. Uh, we feel real comfortable. We've, I've had them on the site for about two years now. My parents actually stay there with my grandparents, and they, they absolutely love it. They each have their own bedroom. And bathroom. And bathroom. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's the, decorated yeah. so nice. My mom's taking interior decorating tips, you know, <laughs> yeah. when it's, she stays it's there. It's like a small apartment. I mean, it's it's nice. I liked it. I yeah. also, the two-bedroom uh, and the one-bedroom. Corey yes. brings up a very good point. I just want to uh, point out that uh, these are places, every place I'm mentioning off property are places I have put my own family. Um, and that is the criteria that I use when I look at any of these properties. If I'll let my family stay there, then it's allowed on the site. If right. I won't, that's why we took off, I think we lost about 13, 14 hotels. Mm-hmm. We took off the site because they just, my my standards are very specific. I want a good, clean hotel. I want something close. I want something that's very customer-focused, and it's got to be a good value. They've got to be giving you aggressive price points. There are too many hotels in this town. Let's make them compete against each other for your business. Drive that price down a little bit. Raise the quality level. Um, that's when you guys win. So we try and pick hotels that we think fit that category. And I do want to make it very clear that uh, through uh, my affiliation with Dreams Unlimited Travel as a part owner, and John's a part owner, we do have a business relationship with some of these hotels. But as I've said in the past, we do not use that as a criteria in any way when we discuss things. We only talk about things that we're really truly willing to get behind so they're the only things i allow on my website you can ask anybody uh, in this room how particular i am about that and how much business i turn away how much money is offered to me to come on the site and we turn it away if i don't think it's a good match i just want to make a point that we, we feature sharon and vistana resort and sharon and vistana villages there's two separate Over properties. On I drive right. right okay um the uh other place that uh, we are involved with that I want to mention is uh, the uh, vacation homes that John and Kevin operate, Dreams Villas. Uh, this is over in the 192 area on Seven Dwarfs Lane. This is actually kind of back off the highway in its own little oasis. It's hard to imagine when you're back there that 192 is a stone's throw. Really a beautiful um, resort. It's the, well, it's a, be- it's a real beautiful community. These, these, I love the colors of, of the houses. It's very quaint. It's, it's very quiet. It's got a very quiet. tropical feel. Tropical, it does. Yeah. And the biggest hot tub you've ever seen in your life. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's a gated community. And it's, uh, it, it really, and, and, and a very nice, I have to say, a very nicely appointed um, uh, rooms, uh, well, houses. Uh, these are three and four mm-hmm. bedroom units. And, I mean, the price point, I mean, you, what, are, what are you getting right now? $99 a night for a three bedroom, 109 for a four bedroom. Depending on season, that'll go up over the holidays. And one of the things that uh, I don't know if we mentioned this or not uh, enough or, or or not, we didn't just go into this with the idea of listen, we're going to own something and sell it. We're going to own a house and sell it. There's a we feel there's a need in this town for places for larger families to stay that are economical. So when you look at a three bedroom unit, you can sleep eight people. Four bedroom unit can sleep ten people. 
So this is a way for a family, a large family or a multi-generational family to stay at a very reasonable price. Not only that, I have to jump in here. One of the things that has come up frequently in the last month is that there are two master suites in each unit. That's something you don't normally find. No. That have two bedroom, two master bedrooms that each have their own ensuite bathroom. So when two couples are traveling together, there's not the decision of who gets the master bedroom. There's actually two in each unit. So that's really kind of helpful if you're again you're dealing with a multi generational. And, and if you're, and, you know, if there are ever any concerns about uh, how it's run or who's running it, you're listening to the two yeah. men who do it. And, and uh, we own the properties that we represent. So it's not like you're renting a house from us, like a property managed house, and someone else owns them. We own them. And I don't know if this is blowing my own horn or not, but we're nuts about customer service. Absolutely. From every standpoint, from Dreams Unlimited Travel, from the Gulf Property Hotels to this now that we're doing ourselves, we are just, we have customer service craziness. You get extra stuff in the room. We're always leaving extra stuff for people. Um, there's free Wi-Fi in the room. Um, I can't think of everything that we offer. There's over 50 DVDs that there's no charge to use. There's a 36 in, or I'm sorry, 37 inch television in our living room. This is actually the the best feedback we've gotten. I'm starting to put together a guest book so people can leave their comments and, and we can put them up on the site. This is actually the thing people talk about the most. Thank you for those DVDs. Mm-hmm. My kids have something to watch while we get ready, something to watch before they go to bed. So it really seems to be something that's big for them. There so. are all the Harry Potter DVDs. I mean, these are... You guys also offer like a pack-and-play crib or something like that? There's a pack-and-play. There's a high chair. Yeah. All nice, galley, nice galley kitchen, fully, fu- fully furnished uh, kitchen. Yeah, that, that's the kitchen. I mean, you can save money by having some meals right there instead of paying your well, high prices. this is definitely the benefit of a vacation home uh, yes. because you can prepare, your, like you said, you can prepare your meals there. Everybody that stays with us for seven nights or longer gets a Sam's Club membership. And Sam's Club is right nearby, so we figure that... Right next uh, door, isn't it? Right next door, right across the main road. And we feel that it's a great place to get uh, snacks, drinks to stock up for the week. You can save some money. Now, if you're already a Sam's Club membership, uh, um, excuse me, a Sam's Club member, you can use that as a gift card. So then your drinks and chips are on us. And for those people who don't know what Sam's Club are, there are people who listen who don't. It's a, a wholesale club. It's like a BJ's or a Costco. It's just called Sam's Club here in Orlando. And... It's one of the big warehouse stores, so it's a great place to save some money. And I think this is something that people should come to expect. If you're willing to stay off property, you should get more. You should get a breakfast like uh, Buena Vista Suites. You should get uh, extra amenities in your room. That's sort of what they should be giving you. So Mm -hmm. if you're staying at some place, you're not getting something extra, look around. There's other stuff out there. I think Creole, the people in New Orleans have a word for that. It's a lanyap. Yes. Something extra. There's always a lanyap in your room at mm-hmm. Dreams Villas. Yeah, sure. In a Bastana, you get free internet, so that's a that's that's getting bigger and, size and bigger. Size of the room for the price and all those things. Exactly. So that's one of the, the perks of staying off properties. You should get more for your money. Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, you know, um, any, something we consider with any of these properties is their location. How close are they to what you need to get to? And these any of these properties we just talked about are within minutes. five ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Of uh, Disney property, so it's you're, you're not you're not far at all. And also, Pete, they're they're in the heart of the tourist corridor. You're not going to have to drive five miles to get to any restaurant or a, or a place to buy food or anything like that. All these off properties are right there, where, where all the hub of activities going on in the tourist corridor. So, 
We're often asked when people are talking about staying at Dreamsville, is, is there a place for me to, is there a place close by to get groceries? And we have a super target that's within two blocks of the unit, the units, excuse me. There's a Publix. There's a super Walmart nearby. So these are the places, if you're staying off property, you also have access to the places that other people are asking about, even people who stay on Disney property, where can I find an all-night pharmacy? Where can I find stuff like that? So all these things are right, right around the corner. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for that uh, uh, extra piece on uh, on Dreamsville is there for us. And uh, that's going to be the uh, the end of part one of our trip planning 101 segment. We're gonna, Like I said, we're going to be doing multiple parts each week. Uh, for how long? I'm not sure. Three, four, five weeks. However much content we have <laughs> that we want to, however long it takes to teach you people what you need to learn, never, we're here for you. It's never ending. It's like a college class. That's right. We're gonna we beat are, it into you. We're here for you. But uh, that will also do it for our show this week. We are all very glad to be back. It's nice to see all you folks and talk to all you folks listening. And we will be back with you again next Tuesday with another edition of the Diz Unplugged. You have a great week. 